we need a a New Year's one, Respawn. Can you get, give us a New Year's song? You've got uh, a top last week's Christmas song. I I don't know the New Year's song, actually. <laughs> the Christmas was <laughs> different. The Christmas song. What's the New Year's song? Uh, whatever whatever that song is, I can never remember what it's called. I don't know. I, I don't have a song for you this week, but I do wish that 2021 is better than 2020. Can yeah. I get a huzzah? I'm not even going to put the idea out into the universe that it couldn't I be. Mean, I think everyone hopes that. And Jim. apparently Alexander is back this week. <laughs> We've been back. He never left. He's been sitting here in this Discord. The, respawn. He's been here I, the whole time. He's been here for weeks. Let that poor kid go. Like father, like son. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Two Titans and a Hunter, a Destiny 2 podcast. A show where we discuss tips, tricks, and tools to help all Guardians succeed and enjoy playing more. What makes us different? Well, we're not streamers or YouTubers, we just have a passion for Destiny and are dedicated to keeping Guardians informed and up to date with all the latest Destiny 2 news, information, and opinions. We encourage your questions and feedback, and you can contact us either by email, two titans and a hunter at hotmail.com, or on Twitter at two titans underscore hunter. Now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to our special New Year lore episode. Hope you've all had a lovely Christmas and New Year's. So again, sit back, relax and enjoy it with us, not our fast lore. This is the lore book, A Tangled Web. I believe it's obtained by upgrading your lore by doing the Wrathborn hunts. What is with Flash? Every time we record, he's like, I want to be in on this. I don't know. It's almost like he can hear you guys talking. I'm going to let them outside, though. Continue. I can still hear y'all, but I just, I'll participate. Hold on. Keep going. So you were telling us that it's lore, book, lore pages that we found whilst doing the the Wrathborn hunts. As, as Wrathborn hunts and upgrading your lore. Okay. The Forsaken Prince, is that kind of a prelude to him then? Is that what happened during what happened with um, the Forsaken campaign? Yeah, that's basically, that's Aldrin's story from actually resurrecting Fickrell uh, right up to uh, you actually kill him, I believe. Okay. And they, uh, and then Fickrell becomes the uh, fanatic. So if people wanted to have a look at a bit more of a backstory, they could check out that in but that, the But that is Aldrin's story. Okay. That is not the Crow's story. Okay. You've got to actually start looking at these as two completely different entities now. Yeah. Because yeah. they're not the same. That's yeah. Aldrin is dead. Somebody shot him in the face. Don't know who... But he got shot in the face. Well, I say two triggers were pulled. Pulled exactly the same time, so you only hear one shot. And it was uh, Petrovenge and myself. Because I did shoot Aldrin. I will not shoot the crow. Nobody can prove. That's the whole thing. And unless you know of lore that I don't, nobody can prove who actually shot him. A lot of us would like to think that we shot him. A lot of us would like to think that we're the be better man to let him go. And Petra shot him. But unless there's lore to back up who actually shot him, you can't say for sure that you did. 
Bungie has left this wide open to interpretation. Exactly. And that, that's why some people love the law that much, because they there is this room for interpretation. And this is this is what's happened with the whole exo theories over since D1, since the exo the uh the Gwynmar card exos came out. I'm listening. They, they they've actually fascinated themselves trying to work out what uh and it, even when we got to the backstory with Cade and when you know when we were getting his um his stashes with his will, last will and testament. Yeah. They got there, I think it was it was it ten or twelve uh, chests where he left them to people he thought he could kill him. Yep. And he left one to uh left one to Petrovenge uh with a message in it. And it was a, an encoded message and actually took a, a little bit of time to work out. But basically, it was a, uh, can't remember who it was that actually worked it out. There's a, as, as a group of basically guardians that work together. Uh, well, not got people, people, basically. I don't know why I just called them guardians. It's a bit geeky of me. Um, yeah. But they all work together and they worked it out. And basically, you take every first letter on this word and it's Tell Paladin Orin, it's on Enceladus. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, I remember that. He also left a, a message there for Clovis Bray. And don't forget, don't think I've forgotten what you did. And if you bring me back, I'll tell everyone what you did. And that, that's Cade saying that. That's Cade saying that. Cade saying that. And he said, "Oh yeah, what what was it? Oh yes, the long slow whisper." Yeah, but I thought he forgot everything. How can he remember something somebody did? Even even from the journal. Unless the journal specifically told him that Clovis did it, he yeah, didn't remember we, anything. We, have, we haven't seen all of his journal. Okay, true. We've also had law that's confirmed that Cade was on uh, Europa. You know the, the law book for letters, letters from a friend with uh -huh. Micah, Micah Abram. You get it by uh, collecting the penguins. Yep. Well, there's a bit in that where he goes while on a field trip with his school. Okay. And he, he sees some exos. Basically, what they're saying is, oh, this is about lunchtime. Well, this is when we would have had our lunch. We're going to sit down anyway. And they, they hear him and actually go to chase him because he shouldn't be there. He who? He, Micah Abrams. Okay. Okay. Yeah, now, these two, it wasn't said who these uh, exos were, but there was a, a, a piece of law on a piece of armor. Now, I can't remember what armor it was off, offhand, and I'd have to actually dig that out. But basically, Cade has a flashback to where he's on Europa. And it's exactly the same voice line about taking a tit or taking his lunch break. Or that's when he was, well, we would have taken it for a human. So let's take it now and have a sit down. Then to hear a noise and go to chase a child. Okay. So we know that debunked one of my theories that Cade could have actually been like, well, almost like Banshee, could have been Clovis II. That completely debunked that theory. I, I I did not follow how that debunks anything, dude. All I heard basically, was basically Cade we overheard were... two exos talking about if we were human. Oh, we would take no, 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 no. You've got you've got it. You've got it wrong. Okay. Micah Abram. Micah Abrams is a child of two of the research or one researcher on uh -huh. Europa trying to work with exos. Trying to, he, he was a psychologist. Uh, that, okay. that Micah Abrams's father was a psychologist. And he was working with the Exos, trying to stop the DER. Okay. Now, Mike, so Micah is attending school with it on there, and they go on a field trip. So he decides to do what he wants on this field trip and comes across two Exos in, a, in like a loading dock. 
Okay. Now, this is Micah Abrams that's hiding, listening to these two XOs. Okay. They hear him and chase him. One of them, one of the XOs malfunctions and breaks. And that's the, that's the end of that law book. But then we see the armor law book from the perspective of one of the XOs that's in the loading dock. And that's Cade. Oh, okay. I see. You understand now? Yeah, I Sorry, guess. Sorry, so that that debunked that my theory because the we we know that in the Deepstone crypt in the in the in the archives there they do have a ready to go copy of Clovis II's memory uh, memory bank. Okay. So it could have at some point been put into a an exo, but uh, we we don't know if he, he if he was or want wasn't. Now it could be again like Banshee. Banshee's not the way he is due to DER. A dynamic exo exo mind rejection. Right, we know the way he is because he is missing files. Yeah, because that last floor when when he purposely told her to delete a bunch of stuff, and then he continued to call him Banshee. Right. Basically, make my name Banshee. Delete my memory, and that's why he's as flaky as he is because he is missing large sections of his hard drive. Basically. Right. Yeah. Okay. And that's why Banshee is so forgetful because his mind isn't complete. Right. He and as reset, Banshee, he, was, he fought side by side with Guardians in a lot of important battles, right? Like, wasn't he there at, um, oh, God, the really big one that made, uh, made Shaxx famous? Twilight Gap. Thank you. Yeah, he was there fighting at Twilight Gap, right? Alongside Guardians, right? I've not had, I, I would have thought so. Banshee has been there from the beginning, so I would have thought so. Yeah, okay. No, I've I've not found any confirmation he was in law, but I haven't found any confirmation he wasn't. Fair enough. This is the Tangled Web law book. I believe it's obtained by upgrading your law by doing the Wrathborn hunts. Uh, this is part one, Sparky and the Scrivener. The ghost hovered a few meters above the small campfire and tried again to explain the rules. The light bearer chewed on a bit of tough grey root. He had softened it over the fire and its sour flavour had mellowed into something approaching black pepper. To his surprise, he found himself enjoying it. He interrupted his ghost. You've explained how it's supposed to work and I've explained I don't care, he said with a playful finality. I don't like any of the names you've suggested and either we both get new names or neither of us do. Ghost flew down to eye level where its shell appeared iridescent purple in the firelight. I have several good names already, it replied. I enjoyed some of them quite a bit. The light bearer shook his head. You said I'm, I had a name before as well, but you won't tell me what it was. Can't, it corrected him. The light bearer fell silent. The ghost emitted a static sigh. Purely as hypothetical exercise, it said carefully. What would you name me? You are a light in the darkness, the light bearer began, and pause. He stumbled over a sudden, the sudden weight of his words. From the beginning, this little ghost had been the only thing keeping him going. It seemed every guardian he had met had little interest in him except to hold him accountable for the unknowing sins of his past. But this almost unbearably earnest ghost had mended him again and again. It nourished him with its encouragement and its inexplicable single-minded faith in him. It showed him compassion. 
sometimes when he writhed away with, with a hot knife of nameless anxiety in his belly, the ghost would rest on his chest and hum to him until he fell back to sleep. Lightbearer took a breath and to, regain, to regain his composure, and thus I name thee Sparky. The ghost, <laughs> the ghost admitted Sorry. a pain groan, contracted in the air and fell to the ground where it lay face down in the leaf litter. The light bearer smiled. I'm sensing some reluctance, Sparky. The ghost gave the barest paws and rolled itself over in the leaves. A tiny, lazy movement is dimmed light. It dimmed its light to a bare flicker. It's terrible, it said flatly. Sparky, said the light bearer sniffed. Very well, I can do better. The ghost warily resumed hovering. How do you feel about gleam, he asked, or flash, or maybe glint? A rainbow of colours played across the ghost's eye. This usually meant he was calculating the complex enemy behaviour, determining combat outcomes, or mapping hundreds of bullets in the millions of possible trajectories. Oh, I like glint. The light bearer drew to his feet by the fire and bowed deeply. It is honour to meet you, Master Glint. He reached out a finger and wiggled one of uh, glint's points in a greeting. This, the absurdity of the gesture delighted the little ghost. Now that you have a name, said the light bearer, perhaps I'll be more open to ideas as we search for mine. Glint dropped, dipped in the air, acknowledging his partner's progress. The pair smoothed their, their fire earlier than usual that night. The next morning, a passerby saw Glint's light bearer without his helmet. The titan beat him mercilessly with her flaming hammer. Snapping his collarbone and crushing his pelvis, he died hours later of internal hemorrhage. Glint brought him back, and the pair travelled in silence for a long while. That was interesting, because I wasn't aware that he kind of died many times since he'd been a Guardian, because we'd heard all these stories about him kind of being on the outskirts of the city and him just being around, but nobody would actually mentioned they'd recognised him and killed him again. So yeah, they did though. I, no, I remember. I remember something well, about that. Last week we uh, we read. Um, we read the uh, the dawning ship entry last yeah, year. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mentioned him living in the shipping container. Yep. Yeah, but I, I wasn't aware that you know other light bearers had come across him and then basically killed him for what happened to Cade, and oh, then yeah. the know, stuffing out of him. Yeah, literally. But you know, it it brings a lot of context to it, really. You know, because yeah. if you you did find him, you would <laughs> it would be something that would happen. I don't this know, man. Like, like I said, I mean, I guess it's a third party. We we see what's happening from the outside, but I feel bad for him. He's he has definitely repaid for his sins, you know. And this is coming from a guy who is a huge, huge, huge uh, obsessive fan for Kid Six, right? And you know, it wasn't he wasn't even in his right mind when he shot Cade to begin with. He definitely paid for that sin in in in, in folds, right? And people are still hating him for it. It's like, yo, he's he's paid his debt, right? Leave him be. You know, things have happened. Yeah, but it, it's like um Arf was telling us last week regarding the the Black Heart and him, you know, purposely going and discovering that yeah. and corrupting himself. A long time so all the time that we've known him we've just known this corrupt person this 
this horrible, you know. He wasn't so much a corrupt person, but that corruption did influence him. Yeah. That's the only person that we've known through Destiny 1 and Destiny 2. So this person that you told us about last week regarding, you know, before he went to the Black Garden and was corrupted and now becoming a light bearer, he's a totally different person. You know, it's like he's had, like you said, three different kind of lives. Three or four different lives, really. Yeah. This this will be life three. Mm -hmm. Well, technically life four because you've got, You've got Aldwin before the collapse. Yeah. Then you became Aldrin of the uh, in the singularity, the distributary, or the tributary. Uh, I can't remember which one it is. Basically, in the in the singularity, when they live for potentially hundreds of thousands of years with mm-hmm. the uh, with the rest of the Awoken, and then you've got Aldrin who came back with Mara. Okay. okay. And the uh, the Aldrin that came back out the singularity into the universe, and now you've got Crow. But now you see why I'm trying to change people's minds about him because he is just literally he has been. He's paid his basically. Dad, basically, <laughs> he's, he's like being a eight-year-old child at school being mercilessly bullied, but in a more severe way. So like the it sins of the father happy. kind of thing, you know? Like, oh, your dad <laughs> did this thing, so we're going to beat you up for it or whatever, you know? I know it's not a direct analogy, but that's how I feel. That's quite a good one, to be honest. Yeah. Right. Now, this is entry two, identity. Ether pipes rattled their arrhythmic beat as they greeted a new arrival in the spider's lair. He entered with hesitance. Gold eyes fitted around the room like a nervous animal. His clothes were those of a traitor. The white shawl of a funerary covering draped across his shoulders that haunched downwards as if a heavy burden rested on them. He was thin from hunger broken by the cruelty of a face he did not recognize, but others reviled. Out of compassion, he was given a space to rest, a modicum of privacy amid the rattling pipes. The spider with one hand at his mouth, perched so far forward on his throne that it dipped down towards the floor. Nothing, he asked one of his lieutenants, who offered a wordless shake of his head in response. Are you sure of this? Are you sure this isn't just some spider wave one hand in the air as if to gesture his point? Some clever ruse? Silence the spider was met with may as well have been a resounding affirmative. Fascinating, Spider grunted. As he slid forward off his throne, he landed on the floor with surprising grace. When he walked, it was with an ambling gait, feigned weakness. He dismissed his lieutenant with a flippant gesture and traipsed towards a near, the nearby storage room. Pipes were quieter in there, but only just... Seated on the floor, wrapped in the tattered white cloth of his burial shroud, the man once known as Prince Aldrin Sov looked up to the white, wide shadow the spider cast in the doorway. He rose to his feet, then bowed, and he said mistakenly, unaware that spider neither held such title nor led a great house. Spider's response was a smug laugh. Though he tried to, to temper it behind smiling words. You look like the underside of a dreg's boot, Spider opened as he glided into the room with a silence that elied his stooped posture and uneven gait. His guest, a light bearer no less, turned to his ghost in a moment of uncertainty. We've had better days, was the ghost's response. Spider restrained himself from criticising the ghost for intruding on the conversation and pointedly ignored him. My boy said they'd found you adrift in space, that your ship ran into some... debris, Spider said 
awfully generous of them to retrieve you. Spiders circled slowly, blue eyes glowing in the gloom of the dimly lit space. Up close, he carefully assessed the light bearer's posture, his expressions, even something as intimate as as subtle as his scent. How long were you trapped up there in the vacuum, dying and being reborn over and over again? The light bearer slouched and his golden eyes averted to the floor at the memory, long enough to know what eternity feels like, long enough to know I'll never never escape without, he looked up to spider to the glow of those ether-infused eyes, without help. That's me, Spider said eagerly. Very helpful, very helpful indeed. Now sure that the light bearer didn't recognise him, Spider ambled up close and took an assessing look at his new guest. I don't think I caught your name, he added. One final test. I, the light bearer, didn't know how to answer. His ghost was silent too. I don't have one. It took all of Spider's energy not to burst out in gleeful laughter. Well, that won't do, Spider insisted as he lays hand on the light bearer's shoulder. That won't do at all. I won't have someone in my care. Spider was careful to to emphasize that word without a proper name. With a sly tone, Spider moved in closer and suggested, how about we try one out? Just for a little while, you and me. His voice lowered, gravelly and hushed. What do you think about pro? Light bearer's eyes showed no recognition. The spider shone with predatory intent. Did he now? <laughs> so my question is this. Just now you said um uh Crow said um how or not Crow uh Spider said how about Crow and the light bearer showed no what was what you said, no recognition of the word? Yes. Why would he recognize Crow? Like what what's the significance of that? Because that was his spy network. That's what it he was. He was head okay. of the crows. Gotcha. Which weren't just spies. There were almost crow drones as well. Gotcha. Entry three, just a kindness. The warlock could handle the war beasts. The cabal legionaries were slow enough that she could thin their numbers in the open. Even a massive centurion wouldn't be an issue once it was alone. There were three scions up on the ridge and their rifles trained on her position. As if she moved from behind her boulder, she was finished. Jurius knelt in the coarse red sand, cursed under her breath. She hadn't expected this much opposition. She didn't have the energy to teleport. Getting out of this was going to be painful. He took a deep breath, formed a a rolling void grenade in the hand, and an explosion erupted from somewhere on the ridge. Gunshots, not the ozone pop of Cabal slug rifles, but the sweet crack of old-fashioned black powder. The Centurion barked orders at the legionaries, but perfectly won out over commands. The Druids heard their guttural cries as something picked them off. Another explosion and the baying war beast fell quiet. The gunfire drew closer. The Centurion bellowed and then nothing. Druids cautionally poked her head out from behind a boulder. The Cabal squad lay in heaps around the gully. Remnants of scions littered the ridge. The air was heavy heavy and thick with smoke and the smell of black oil. In the midst of the carnage, a lone hunter holstered his weapon and stepped over a corpse. He walked with tight efficiency. No movement wasted. He was graceful, even for a hunter. Juris stepped out into the open and raised a hand in greeting. Oi, guardian, she called. I appreciate your handiwork. Name's Druis, and you just saved me a lot of trouble. 
The hunter's expression was hidden by his heavy helmet. He gave a perfunctory wave and knelt to examine the centurion's weapon. Now that she was standing, Druis realized she was full head taller than the hunter. I suppose everyone seems tall to you when you're cowering behind a rock, she thought. She pulled off her helmet and let in some fresh air, cool her slate blue skin. Dark hair limply unfurled from where it was piled atop her head. She fixed the hunter with her golden eyes and smiled. I signed up for a simple salvage run, she said. Transmat some supplies, run into the city. I've had a headache all morning and didn't want anything loud. The hunter nodded without looking up and pulled a sparkling catalyst from a slug rifle. Drew chuckled. It's okay, she said, nudging the body of the fallen legionary with her boot. You don't have to talk when you can shoot like that. The hunter paused, then stood and faced her. I am... Call me Crow, he said. I'm glad I could have been some help. The hunter's voice was soft and refined, and while he had a frosty edge, it was not unfriendly. Not as glad as I am, Druis said. The last thing I needed today was to take a res with this headache. I told the cabal that, but they wouldn't listen. Rude of them. Crow laughed politely. That I can understand. After being brought back, I feel out of sorts for hours. He turned to look for more cabal weapons, but something caught the warlock's eye. I'll be damned, she cried. Druis pointed to his arm. You're reefborn, aren't you? Earthborn here, but you and me, we still go way back. Crow looked down. A strip of leather had been torn from his gauntlet, and beneath it, his own grey-blue awoken skin could clearly be seen. When he looked up, Druis had nearly closed the distance between them in a few long strides. His hand ho hovered over his weapon before the warlock clapped him on the back. Figured you for one. It was your voice and the way you move. Tall woman playfully duped from side to side. Crow was quiet. Jurius wished he could see the hunter's expression. To her relief, there was a beep from the tracker on her belt. Finally got some good news, she said. Right on top of the supply coordinates, she scanned the area and located a tiny supply ship half hidden by a rock slide. Since you kept this cargo out of the hands of the cabal, I said you're entitled to a cut. That won't be necessary, Crow said. He shifted his weight and hid his exposed arm behind his back. It was the first awkward moment Druis had seen him make. I didn't say it was necessary, she replied, just to kindness between two bright-eyed awoken. Won't be, a, won't be a minute. She ducked into the sand-filled hold of a tiny ship and found the shipping crates. Dim red lights blinked on their panels. The seals had broken long ago. She pried the lid off the closest one. Inside, grime-covered bottles, the liquid still shone with a gentle orange glow. She uncorked one, wiped the neck clean against her vestments, took a sip. It was bright with honey and salt and burnt her throat with a clean, gingery sweetness. Good luck, Druis called as she hopped outside with a bottle, but the hunter was gone. Druis placed the bottle on a flat stone and took a seat next to it. Though she did not expect her companion to return, she waited busily by herself by picking dried blood from a velvety helm of her garment. Finally, she sighed and slapped her palms on her thighs and reached for the drink. The crow, she shrugged. But so, like, I, I have thought for a second that she was going to, like, find out who he was and then lose her stuff. And I was going to be like, you hypocrite. He just saved you and you're going to do that to him? But Almost have an argument time to take off his helmet, then kick him in the nuts. Something like that, yeah. Just, like, yeah. after thanking him for helping her and all this other stuff, she sees it's him and starts to beat him or berate him or whatever. But no, that didn't happen, so I think that's cool. Entry four, Saturno wasn't afraid of the scorn at first. 
Like anyone else who could spare the bullets, Crow had picked off a few dozen at a distance when he found them in the open. Glint had told him they were related to a Lixney somehow, which made sense. They moved like a Lixney, but they just wouldn't stay dead. When their raiding party hit one of the Baron's storehouses, he immediately sent Crow after them. He said the scorn were bad for business. Crow could tell by his benefactor's wet wheezing he wanted revenge. Crow was stealthy, careful, but the scorn could smell or sense something. He was forced to move deeper into their territory, picking his way through welded-together ship husks as the creatures searched for him. They had herded him into a killbox, a derelict ship with one way out. He started coming inside, and Crow found he much preferred fighting them from hundreds of yards away. Scorn were rotting flesh, pressed tight beneath metal, their bodies webbed with scars and fields of boils, malformed flaps of muscle bolted cruelly into place, lumps of brown cloth balled into weeping sockets. Crow reloaded his revolver and dropped three of the smaller ones. Their helmets were thinner, or their bone structures softer. Either way, one shot was all it took. The air was filled with the sour smell of wounds festering beneath brass. Ainge dragged against the metal to his left. Crow spun. A hulking form was pulling its way through the gap in his ship's hull. Crow fired. Some of the blue pestules that winged the creature's shoulder burst open. A thin gasp rose from the wound and released an acrid smell of cold solvent. He unloaded into the thing's body, corking the tunnel with its corpse. Two stalkers pressed through another gap and moved in to flank him backpedaled and reloaded, fully aware he was being pushed further into the corridors of the ship. He turned in time to catch the sight of a flaming thurible and ducked, but it collided with the side of his head. His ears rang and his revolver clattered to the floor. Stalkers hooted in excitement as something tackled him. This one was one of the big raiders, its four ropey arms bound with filthy belts. He struggled, felt the leather straps of its long forearms twist and crunch were caked with dry, dried lymph. Raider was on top of him, mouth howling below its featureless metal faceplate, pinning him to the ground with its larger arms while the smaller two tried to bring its rifle up for a shot. A jagged claw tore through Crow's cheek as he writhed and kicked at the Raider's grasp, wrestled the rifle away from his chin and forced it in the direction of the two stalkers. He groped blindly until his fingers found the trigger and it burst by his stalkers and they fell screeching in a screeching heap. Raider roared and twisted the rifle from Crow's grip and flung it away. Aid of the weapon, it frenzied sub-arms, tore at the Crow's stomach, felt claws catch and tear his own leathers, and then they were through and his waist was slick with blood. Gibbering madly, it pulled him closer to its misshapen teeth. Thin mucus poured from somewhere under the metal faceplate, down through the thing's lipless, chittering mouth, down onto the crow's face. And then he realized the creature was speaking. It was a long moment of horrors, followed by one of the pure revulsion. It was one thing to be torn apart by a mindless creature of madness, but this, this would not be allowed. The crow felt the light surrounding more solidly than the arms of the raider. He kicked off the creature as if underwater and felt his torn stomach lurch. Raider's arms closed on nothing. It looked up in rage as Crow's shifting form tumbled away. With one hand down on the rusty deck of the craft, Crow steadied himself 
and the light rose from his body like a steam. Knife, he thought, and some of the dissipating energy became a blade in his hand. He stood. Raiders charged forward, clawed hand clattering against the ground as it skittered towards him. Crow feigned left as he pulled his arm across his body and then pivoted and dropped to a knee as he let the knife go. The blade was in the creature's chest and the blade was light and the creature became flame. Smoke was pure, the ash was clean. Light was Crow's weapon and as he walked out of the ship it was light that roared again and again from his hand. It was the light that drew glint to Crow as he walked like a pillar of flame into the night. It was the light that kept Crow from madness. Even as the voice of the thing echoed in his mind, Father, 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 Father. I was just going to ask you how none of them recognized yeah, him as yeah, the father. That was yeah. going to be my question. They they must have recognized him as the father. Of Unless he was wearing his helmet the whole time, you know. But even but, that, the, the, they he said that they could smell him. They, they that's how they were tracking him. him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because because of the close bond he has with Fickle, because effectively with the uh, Ahamkara wish. Yeah, I said it. Yeah. Uh, with with Riv, Riven's wish, there he actually created Fickrel. So in in effect, he created the Dark Ether. So that's one connection that goes right through the score on the Dark Ether. So it it makes sense they would be able to sense him, if maybe not smell him. I'd say it's more of a sense. Hmm. And the other thing that's quite interesting is the fact that they're saying that the crow is light. There's no inkling of any darkness, any dark subclasses in him at the moment so is this going to be something do you think that's going to be pushed more in the story going forward that he's going to be the light and maybe we're going to be the dark yes well he's awoken <laughs> don't forget the awoken are a blend of light they were born in the light and the darkness right okay that's how they became awoken because it was a clash between the light and the dark that created the singularity that sucked them in and they actually became awoken from there. So we've got the awoken that have got dark and light in them. We've got the exos that have got dark and light in them. The humans, have they got dark and light or are they just born of the light? They are just human. They're not born of the light. They are just born. As far This is as far as we're aware. There's no... No, but when, when you become a guardian, you're born of the light, aren't you? Yeah. Yes, you are. But humans are just born. They're living. Yeah. So, but when they become a guardian, the only thing that the truly has touched them is the light. They haven't had the darkness yes. aspect like the Exos no. and the Awoken have had. No, they, the guardians were brought back by the light. Yeah. They are. They are purely light at this point until they've actually been to Europa and embraced the darkness, uh, and in some respects, actually looked at actually doing what. Um, Malfour was doing in all the all the dredging law. That's dredging law, not dredging your. When when they actually explore, explore, explore exploring the darkness sides of it, because even if you look at Eris Morn, Eris Morn is was born of the light, but yeah. she has explored the darkness through the hive. That's yes. how she can actually encourage that dark magic. But is the is the darkness that the hive have different to the darkness that we're now using on Europa with the stasis? Or is that all the same kind of darkness? The same as 
I thought the darkness I, I, from the hive I, was different to the darkness of the pyramids. I would say it's different yeah. because they learned the magic through the worms. And they always said to Oryx, "We will teach you how to access uh, how to access power, but the deep that is for us." Okay. Effectively, now we're communing with the deep, as in the deep are the dark. I believe the deep deep are the darkness. Right. Okay. So, in in effect, they are accessing the the darkness's power, but they are. Well, they don't utilize access. light. They use things like poison and fire and things like that. So, well, is, that, is that what we're looking for as far as like the next iterations of darkness? Well, poison is all but confirmed if you watch you know, Bungie's latest, you know, thing, right? They well, haven't come the out and said it. We've even seen yeah. in the um, dark exotic, shall we say, is it Arthurus's grasps? No, mm -hmm. it's not. It's, it's the... Um, Arthurus's yeah. embrace? Yeah. Arthurus's embrace, that's it. And, and Thorn, they're weapons of darkness. Okay. Yeah. Weapons of mallet. I can't remember exactly what, what how they called it. They or they almost invoke the hive's magic. If you look at them, that's that green glow you get. You always see it when you yeah when the during hive, the, during the, the gunslinger lore. The, he was talking about that. Yeah, about how yeah. the thorn almost looks like it's a weapon of um of hive a hive weapon. And then he said, "No, I so made it." They, they are invoking the 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 darkness darkness's power in a different way. Now, it's been theorized by people that we could get another subclass in the future, like one of the light subclasses will go away and they'll bring another darkness one in, um, which will be similar to the hive magic. So it could be that the, the, hive, the hive magic is just another aspect of the darkness. They've trained right. in it more, so they know more things. A bit oh, like okay. how we got our third subclass in D1. Yeah. Yeah, I get you. If the hive used darkness right because i was thinking well i don't see hive use ice i see them using poison and fire and uh we do look they at use void as like a decay as a decay energy decay you can then have like the coldness which is your stasis right and then you could maybe have um almost like a poison or a rot which then becomes what the hive are using mm -hmm. and potentially as as the Maybe is as we go into more further into Beyond Light or even into um, is it the Witch Queen that we actually get another subclass, another darkness subclass there, and we'll we'll get more powerful in the darkness. Right, right. But no, I, still, I know that. But what I'm saying, I still, what I'm saying. I still, still believe that we are intended to be this grey guardian. You can't have light without dark, and you need to balance the two out. So we're going to be walking this line in between them. Yeah. But I, the only reason I pointed that out with the the crow is that they made quite a lot of specific mentions that he summons the light. He's he's summoning the light, and that's something that he he brings to the to his fight. But I, I get the impression in that that's the first time he's actually had that connect had had his connection to his super. Oh, okay. Because that's that's part of his super. Like we can, it's almost like your um, middle tree solar on a. Um, well, he said a knife, so I'm thinking top or bottom. The middle tree has three <laughs> knives. I'm, just, I'm I'm not trying yeah, to no, split no, hairs or anything, but uh... yeah, potato, potato. <laughs> but who's but he but the story went on there and said he went, carried on throwing them because that could have been his three, just potato, potato. Okay, <laughs> sure. But they do say everyone's super is ever so slightly different. 
And even if you look at the the truly ancient guardians like Osiris, he can utilize multiple subclasses in one. Yeah, we did see that. Yeah. So over time, as you gain more, not so much power, but actually capability in these in these skills, you could potentially be running Void Solar Warlock. Or you could then pull out your void bow and actually send the solar arrow out. Don't know. This is this is just really getting spin foily now. <laughs> so, and who doesn't mind a little bit of spin foil? Yes. Right. Entry five. Arafosa. Lint checked his coordinates again and entered Spider's subterranean shipping depot. He bobbed uncertainly through tight towers of stacked crates. Beneath hanging coils of gurgling tubing over piles of crushed phase glass and through a hissing vent of rich lavender smoke that obscured what looked like a quantum opal. But as private ownership of such an unstable isotope was utterly forbidden, Glint decided it must be a replica. We know better. He found Spider working on a bank of consoles in the nexus of the depot. An intricate series of gravity currents filled the air with a gently gliding cargo. Rusty iris gates snapped open and shut as Spider directed his goods to unseen corridors of his dominion. Tell me about Crow, Spider said without looking up. Kent flew closer and caught sight of himself on a small monitor. He saw a mosaic of security feed, corridors in the tangled shore, a strange workshop, Crow's quarters. Before Spider collapsed the images and turned to address him directly, how has our friend been performing in the field? Quite well, Glint answered. He's been feeling more confident. While good, said the spider dismissively. He cracked a chunk of seraphite and his claws over it and then placed it back onto the beam. As anyone told him. Glint didn't have to ask for clarifications. Not outright. He knows he wasn't a good person. He gathered that much from the guardians who killed him. But he hasn't heard his old name. Spider gave a phlegmy grunt of contentment. There haven't been any indiscretions. Glint's eye flickered and made an almost impersibly processing noise. Spider leaned forward. Do you have something to tell me? It's actually a funny story, Glint said. He ran across a warlock who recognised him as Awoken. And uh, she... He was seen, Spider shouted, striking the side of the passing crate. A chorus of mewling squeaks rose from within. Glint watched as it floated out of sight. Not seen, Glint said. She noticed his skin under his gauntlet. He told me he didn't want to risk further exposure, so he left. That's then he's lying, Glint, even to you. The light in Spider's eyes seemed to dull. One of his smaller arms scratched irritably at his side. It's only a matter of time, Glint said softly. People talk behind his back. There are rumours someone named Elko has been following him. He's heard the scorn call him father. Eventually, he'll figure it out. I gave him rules for a reason. Following rules is counter to his nature, Glint said, and then noticed Spider's scowl. Frustrating, I know. He could ask anything of the next guardian he sees, and I couldn't stop him. Spider growled, you will stop him. The thing is, Glint said, someday he'll realise who he was. Doesn't matter. What's important is who he is. Who he is, Spider hissed, is my investment. I'm counting on you to remind him of that fact. A damaged crate floated past. Loose glimmer swirled in the gravity beam behind it. 
The little ghost was quiet. He floated unsteadily for a moment and rose by his eye level. Aaron Spider, Glint said respectively. In his short new life, Crow has faced more than his share of cruelty. He's learned what it is to truly suffer. Glint mistook Spider's contempt for contemplation and continued. He isn't afraid to be, of being hurt anymore. If you want him to stay, he said helpfully, you'll need to offer him more than threats. Spider looked at the impertinent little orb and rage welled up inside him. He was old and he was smart and he let the anger flow over him and around him. Floated in his black waters until only his eyes were left peering over the surface. Thank you, Glint, he said in his voice calm. I will call for you again if I need you. Glint beeped with pride, dropped in the air respectfully and zipped away through the stacks of contraband. So how... How is Glint having this private conversation with Spider? How far can ghosts go from their from their guardians, man? You've not seen them actually being used as messengers and then materializing the tower, even though the guardians off doing something else. Um, I thought those were ghosts that didn't have guardians. I'll be honest with no, you. No, 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 no. It's been placed in the law where specifically actually yeah uh, normally someone like ikora sending their ghost to uh, see saint ghosts have even been known to get bored and go to visit other ghosts just to say hello <laughs> not they're not bound by a circumference where they have to stay in a certain distance of the garden they can go wherever they like but they have to be next to them if they, if they want to heal them or resurrect them right okay otherwise we'd all have them locked in a safe safe uh, away from everything well, yes. I, su- I suppose that the ghost can feel if his How guardian we... goes down, right? How would we unlock doors? Yeah. How would... What? <laughs> How would we unlock doors? Those hive doors are connected. a pain without our ghosts. Yeah, but we don't leave the ghost in a whole new room, you know? We're still relatively close to them, relatively being the key word, I guess. Okay, that's <laughs> Right, is there any other questions so far? No. Um, so, yeah, actually, I do have one, right? So, uh, Glint is sitting there telling Aldrin, I can't tell you, right? Yes. Now, is he saying he can't because the bomb and spider? Or is he saying he can't? Because at first I thought he said he can't because he didn't know. That was, right? they be- that was before he met Spider. Right. If you, if you, if but- you look... Before he met Spider, he said he can't, and now Spider's all like, you won't, or whatever, right? Now that they know Spider. So why is it that before he met Spider, and before he had the bomb, he couldn't? Why? Because Guardian rules. Uh, Yeah, you're not allowed to deepen you. That's why your girl's in trouble with Savala. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Well, you've got... The only people that we hear quotes of actually knowing about that passive people that specifically looked into it. Anna Bray, yeah. Cade. Oh, no, no, she got born. She knew who she was because she had a name badge on her. Cade has his diary. Right, but then she delved deep into it, which is why her and Savala don't get along. Yeah, but she had to actually fake her own death to do that. Point is, dude, is she went and did the research when she wasn't supposed to. She, was, she wasn't supposed to. Yeah. Anybody that doesn't know, Guardians are forbidden to look into their previous lives. Because they're not that person anymore. So looking into that life is pointless. You're no longer that individual. Well, it's not pointless, but it could affect if you're a, re- a recently res guardian that say you you're you died in the Red War and you were res 
not long after the Red War. Okay. And potentially you could actually, if you found out who you were, you could potentially have family that were alive. Uh-huh. And that would make you biased. The idea of a guardian is they're not biased. Well, they're biased for the light. Well, yes, they are biased for the light, but their intention is to serve and protect humanity. Then what's with the, all the find, warlords throughout guardian history? The, the dictators, that, the warlords. How were they punished for their sins? Most of them were actually killed. By the... By the... Iron the, Lords. The Iron Lords and, and the dude with the freaking uh, last word. God, I never remember his damn name. Jin Malfur. Thank you. Technically, I think it was Felwinter that took out the most. Uh, it's either, either it's a toss-up between Felwinter or Shax, because even Shax, he battered Felwinter all across the uh, field. Okay, fair enough. That was a great bit of lore where he backhanded uh, Felwinter's head off. Off? Off. Shax backhanded Felwinter's head off of his shoulders. Like, like yes. cut his head off with a slap. Yes. Such a pussycat <laughs> in the tower. That right? is canon. That is canon. That is in Jeez, the law. No wonder Mara, you know, gets busy with him. I knew Shax was dope, but damn, bro. You backhand, you freak. I mean, Basically, I've heard of discombobulation, but this is ridiculous. Owen to challenged him to, so he could actually take his land. And the challenge was that Shax would join the Iron Lords. Sure. And Shax went, Okay, you do realize loads of people have tried and none of them have failed, and every one of them have failed. He's like, Yeah, but I'll try. And he's like, Okay, one basically one, two, three, go slap. Uh huh. And that was it. That was that was the challenge. That was the first challenge over with. And off with their head, just li- off with his head. Yeah, <laughs> for real. Anyway, three, six revenant switch. The ether pipes were howling. Spider sat hunched to one side of his throne, head in hand, when Crow returned from the field. Baron, Crow addressed him, his ostensible benefactor. The spider looked up and wordlessly beckoned the light bearer over. Upon reaching the throne, Crow took a knee. What is it we talked about before you left? Spider's rhetoric question sat like a weight of stones on Crow's shoulder. Crow didn't look up. When he started to answer, Spider cut him off. Guardians can't be trusted, was Spider's reminders. But they can be useful. They can be powerful, but never trusted. Baron, I only thought to... No, Spider bellowed. You didn't. If you thought about anything, you wouldn't have exposed. Spider caught himself, words turning into a smiled grumble as he laid back in his throne. You screwed up. Crow head bowed and his eyes fixed upon the floor said nothing. He knew Spider's anger. He knew his displeasure. He knew his wrath. He held no desire to face it again. But maybe there's some, the spider hesitated and chose his words carefully, wisdom in your defiance. The guardians are too good a resource to cast aside, especially on matters beyond our mutual uh, expertise. It was only then that Crow looked up, questioningly. For a moment he felt a humble pride. Perhaps he believed that an act of defiance had broken through to spider, revealed Crow as more than just a convenient light bearer. The spider held out one hand. I have an idea to protect you. His offer sounded sincere, even if spider meant his investment and not crow as a person. Send glint over. Crow grew tense, looked away, and then thought better of testing another act of defiance so soon. 
With a nod, he showed his compliance as Glint manifested at his side. The ghost fixed on Crow with a nervous look, then flew up to Spider. What do you require? Glint asked. Instead of answering, Spider snatched Glint out of the air with one hand. Glint shrieked and Crow stood swiftly, but as swiftly as he saw the arc hikes of Spider's guards thrust at him. Spider made a clicking noise in the back of his throat and reached for a set of tools nearby. Tools used to pry open the shells of dead ghosts would work on living ones just as well. What are you doing, Glint demanded, fear in his voice. Crow stood frozen, having faced Spider's punishment before. But this, this was his ghost. A part of Crow also feared that perhaps he was misreading the situation. He was so certain that Spider would never do anything to permanently hurt him. But when the spider shocked Glint into paralysis with a small needle tool, Crow was aboused that this was a certainty. Stop, Crow cried. A spider wedged a flat tool between Glint's shell plates. No! With a snap, Spider popped one of the casings off. Then he looked up to Crow and switched tools. Don't worry, the spider said in a soothing reassurance that flowed like ice through Crow's veins. I'm just going to make some modifications, he said, igniting a cutting torch. And we all know what he did there. Yep. See, before that, you know, I was like, you know, the spider is obviously a guy you don't want to tangle with, but he ain't so bad. No, he's a little bad. No, 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 yeah. no, he's, he's, he's a little worse, from my opinion, I would say. Spider reminds me of, I think he's actually designed to do this. He reminds me of one of those, the old fashioned gangsters. It's your friend yep. until he wants something. And you will do it no matter what. Yeah. The, the only question I've got, and I don't know if we're going to come onto it in the next page, is it, that the spider wants to kind of keep Crow to himself and doesn't want to kind of show him off. But then, well, he wants his own personal guardian because he himself yeah, wants to but be he doesn't want in people light again. to know that he's got Crow, Crow. slash Aldrin there. But then why does he send him to get Osiris and that is good get question. Osiris with his helmet off so that we see him face to face. Osiris sees him face to face. And it's all like, um, okay, let's go and visit the spider and see what he's up to. Get the impression that before that cutscene, mm -hmm. Aldrin and Osiris had already met. Okay. No, because he introduced him. Remember? Remember how he no, said he, introduce yourself? He may, he, he may introduce himself but they may have already met before he had a name. Okay. How, what the what? Are you just are you just like throwing stuff out there? It's possible, but we may find it. I know in the law that Spider has defended him. Uh huh. Oh, I presume just said it. He's defended Crow in the past. I can't remember where it was said it. Um, all I can presume this is to the Vanguard because the Vanguard have got to be aware of him. Well. Not necessarily. They're not but aware yeah. of every person that's born in the light. We don't have an innate sense to detect each other. No, but I mean, if every, like... Yeah, but look how many times he's been killed. Yeah. And they've gone back to the vanguard and said, Aldrin Sov's alive. Ish. Yeah. So he'll probably be alive again, but he's there. Yeah, he's obviously been reported. But it just seems very suspicious how... There must be something at play with Spider for him to reveal the crow to us. 
with that part of the story of go and get Osiris, I want to speak to him, and then we end up going to see Spider. Yeah, because yeah. by that point, uh, just at that point, Osiris has loses his ghost and he's in a bit of a state. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think Spider's a bit surprised when we turn up. Maybe he was trying to you get... Yeah, maybe he was trying to get Osiris as well to add him to his ranks. You know, this guy's not got a ghost. I can offer him protection, bring him to me kind of thing. Sure. Well, Spider had already been to see him anyway. Mm. Um, oh, no, yeah, he, he already, already, yeah, they'd already met and and he knew about him. And, discussed the uh, cryptoliths. Yeah, they'd already done that part. But maybe because of the ghost was missing... He, he knew that something was up and maybe you could add him to his ranks. You never know because what we Spider's thinking. We, we explained to Spider where Osiris was. We explained he's back at the tower recuperating because he's lost his ghost. Oh, okay. Ignore what I've just said then. <laughs> now, now here's, here's a question for you. Here's a question, right? Um, was it Spider's intention to wait till after he lost his ghost to be, then be saved by Aldrin? Or sorry, Crow. Right? I don't even think he knew Crow was there. I can't remember exactly the cutscene. All because I was, I was when I was watching that cutscene, I was being a bit trolly, and I actually made sure I had Sagira's shell on, so it was like Sagira was actually flying in there as well. And I clipped it. But the thing is, when we when we're sent to the moon on that mission to go and help Osiris, it's Glint then suddenly communicates to our ghost and says that. Osiris is there without his ghost. So the crow and Glint know that he's got no ghost at that point. Yeah, but I don't think Osiris knows they're there because it's a surprise he steps over. Yeah. As he steps over the corpse of the um of the knight. Yeah. Anyway. Tree seven, broken wing. Glint shell showed the scars of spider's implements. I'm so sorry. Crow's voice was barely a whisper. All his strength as a light bearer, he looks small, seated upon the floor in his den, illuminated by the pale glow of his solitary lamp. Crow cradled Glint in his cupped hands. The ghost's monocular eye stared up at him and flickered weakly. I'm so sorry. It's all right. Couldn't blame Crow. I think I'll be fine. Spider is... To cautiously choose his next word. Very skilled with modifying ghost architecture. Put a bomb inside you, Crow hissed in a voice cracking. But I'm still here with you. Glint's reassurance, and they still have the light, and that's what matters. Crow looked up to the ceiling, unable to bear the sight of the damage done to his ghost. He was silent. The room was silent, save for the dominal rattling of those pipes. I put you in this position, Crow said quietly. I let this happen. You had no choice. We can't change the past, Glint said as he floated out of Crow's hands in a little crookedly, like a bird with an injured wing. You can only look to the future. Crow forced himself to gaze down into Glint's single flickering eye. My future is with you. You're all I have. The only person who... Lowered his voice, afraid Spider might overhear them. The only person who cares about me. You won't ever know who cares about you until you meet them. Glint tested. Floated closer to Crow's face. You aren't a prisoner, he added. You could leave. A normal life without the light. Crow's jaw tensed, teeth clenched together. No, he said through them. I won't abandon you. You would never do that to me. Ghost looked away in thought for a moment and then bobbed up and down. You're right, he said, as he turned it to face his light bearer. 
Glint floated in and softly tapped his shell to Crow's nose. I'll never leave you. Crow reached out and gently took Glint into the palm of his hand. You're all we have, Crow whispered, pulling his knees in close and Glint even closer. Bide will never let us go. At least we have each other. Sounds like an abusive relationship, doesn't it? Well, from spider to crow, yes. No, I'm just I'm I'm talking about like domestically, like in in our modern time, right? It's like you know he'll never let us go, but at least we have each other, kind of thing. It sounds like I don't know. This this might be hitting a little home for me because I grew up in a broken home, but like a I know that feeling well. Yeah, like a mother to their kids, you know. At least we have each other if we can't escape him or whatever. Yeah. And that is the end of that law book. But if that doesn't give you a good not impression, if that doesn't give you the reasons why Bro isn't Aldrin, I don't know what will. No, absolutely, man. Yeah. Absolutely. So you need to you need to talk to your friend about that. The you know who that keeps calling him a, a murderous uh you know what. Amy, stop it. friends welcome to the new year welcome to more lovely destiny lore with our buddy Nadarf. thank you for joining us your titans are parody a night demon your hunter is no one responds in real life your lore scribe off in the wilderness bringing you the best stories from the world of destiny Nadarf. You can email the show at two titans and a hunter at hotmail.com. You can find the show on Twitter at two titans underscore hunter. We're also on Instagram and Facebook, two titans and a hunter. You can't forget him. He's always here. He's been here the whole time and he will never leave. He may be behind you right now. If you need raid help, Guardian Hub and Guardian Downcast, they can help you out at lfg.frozen.party. We're here to offer raid hindrance, trial shirt, giggling. That's all we're good for, but we have a good time with it. Find all your favorite Guardians on Xbox Live and respawn on PC with the competent Raiders. You can watch the show on YouTube, listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and everywhere. Everywhere fine podcasts are sold in 2021. And with that, friends, Happy New Year. Respawn. Night Demon. Wish the people a new year and a good night. Happy New Year. May all your magazines be filled and all your shots be crits. Welcome to Destiny, my friends. Let's go and kill this. <laughs> Phenomenal. Phenomenal. I've apparently hit my word quota for the day, and I didn't even talk that much. <laughs> friends, guardians everywhere, thank you for joining us. Your parody. God damn. Your parody can't read. All right, are you finished? Are you going to read some law for us? No. Go away no. then. <laughs> Guys, no, seriously. I just want to say, big See, fan it's of not just kid. my kids that do it. It, it must be your, your, your country as a, as a species, bro. Yeah. Ah, sorry about that. Mm. No, you're not. And neither are we. <laughs> This is the law book, A Tangled Web. Now, it's basically about the drifter. Um, Personal friend. Doesn't... <laughs> yeah, I killed him. Oh, no, no, sorry. sorry. 
<laughs> not about the drifter it's about the crow even i'll just all right so this is oh for, this is a good start this book is called, <laughs> is called the tangle web 